Good morning, church. I want to thank you all for your prayers these last couple of weeks. We've had an interesting couple of weeks at ECC. Uh, as you probably know, there was a little bit of a COVID scare with the staff, uh, with uh, our team. Pastor Aubrey is recovering very well and, and doing fine, and Lord willing, he'll, he'll be here next week. Thankfully, I've had no symptoms, and I've only had negative tests, so I quarantined last week just out of extra precaution, but it's good to be back, thankful to be uh, healthy, and especially thankful for Pastor Sam, who stepped up last week and preached on short notice, really did an amazing sermon from Mark chapter 4 about faith in the storm. So I'd uh, encourage you to go listen to that if you didn't get the chance. But we're so blessed to have a plurality of elders at this church. It's not just about one man or two men. We've got a great team that works together, and that really showed last week and, and continues to show here. So thank you for your prayers. This morning we're starting a new sermon series from the book of Zechariah. And I want to ask you if you've ever seen a landslide. Have you ever seen a landslide? You know where... Perhaps there's a, a, a hill or a mountain, and at the top of that hill or mountain, some rocks start to crumble, or some mud starts to slide, and down it goes, down it goes, it builds up as it goes down, gets bigger and stronger, and then at the bottom, it can be total devastation. There are stories of whole villages that sat at the bottom of a hill and were covered and destroyed in a landslide or a mudslide. Or if it's snow, it's an avalanche. There's some terrible stories of what has happened in, in those situations with even thousands of people dying. And the cause of these landslides is usually a shake at the top. There's some kind of shaking at the top of that hill. It could be a small earthquake that starts the rumbling and trickles down into the big landslide. It could be caused by humans. Sometimes humans at the top of a hill are doing unwise things, and it leads to one stone starting to fall, and all of a sudden you have a massive landslide. Well, in this past year, I think it's safe to say we have all had a shake. Just as a shake at the top of a hill can cause a landslide, our lives have been shaken. The ground beneath us does not feel as secure as it used to. For many of us, our health, our jobs, and our futures feel as insecure as ever before. In many ways, we are a shaken people. And for some of you, this last year, the ground shook so much beneath you that you tumbled down the hill in a massive landslide, and now you're at the bottom of the hill covered in mud and dirt, and you don't even know what happened. You don't know how it got so bad so fast. Maybe you took one step down into a little sin that didn't seem so bad, and it started the tumble down. And some of you maybe just in this last week have turned your back on the Lord a little bit and taken that first step away, that first step down, and you might be in danger of tumbling down to the bottom in a massive landslide away from the Lord. Well, as we look at Zechariah today, he's going to call us back. This book of Old Testament prophecy fits so closely with our lives today in so many ways. It talks about themes of repentance, hope, second chances, and it talks about the coming of the king. 
How could this book 2,500 years ago still speak to us today? Well, we need repentance. We need hope. We need second chances. We need the coming of our king. And so I trust that these next few months, as we study Zechariah together, church, God is going to speak to us powerfully, bringing us back to him in encouraging ways. So let's start by looking at the first verse, Zechariah 1.1, and give us some context of the book. The first verse says this, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying. So this is setting the stage for us. This is giving us the context, and we need to know the context, the historical situation of this book in order to understand it. We look at the who, what, when, where, why questions to understand. This is good Bible study. When you start a new book in your own Bible study, consider the context, the who, what, when, where, why questions. I love the old saying, if you take a text out of its context, all that remains is a con. And people twist the scriptures to con us and deceive us by taking texts out of context. So we need to ask these who, what, when, where, why questions. So let's do that quickly. In Zechariah, let's start with what. What is Zechariah? What is this book? Well, it is a book of prophecy in the Old Testament. It is one of the minor prophets, the longest of the minor prophets. And we say minor prophets not because they are less important, but because they are just shorter than the major prophets. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those are together in your Bible. They're considered the major prophets because they're longer. But then there are 12 minor prophets, including Zechariah, and his is the longest of those prophecies. In this book, we have 14 chapters, including eight visions, some of which are very interesting. We'll get to the vision of a woman in the basket the vision of a flying scroll. Those will be interesting sermons coming up. And then there are two sermons in the book, and then two sections at the end that we would call oracles that we'll talk about. Next question is where? Where is this taking place? Well, we can actually look in another book of the Bible, Ezra, and it answers this question for us. Ezra 5.1 tells us this. It says, Now the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. This book, this prophecy, is coming to the Jews who are back in their homeland. They are back home in Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, after they had been in exile for decades before. So they are back home. That's where. Next question, who? Who is Zechariah? Well, we see he's the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. Iddo is actually mentioned in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. So these different books are, are weaving together in the Old Testament. And Iddo is from a priestly family who returned from exile. He was living in exile and was one of the people who came back to Jerusalem with the Jews. And so Zechariah was probably born while the Jews were in exile. He was probably born when they were in the Persian Empire. And he too probably returned with the Jews when he was at a very young age. And he's of a priestly family and called to be a prophet of the Lord. 
speaking God's word to his people. Next question, when? When did this take place? And I love the historical detail in this text. You know, the Bible is not myth. It's not fables or fairy tales. These stories took place in real history. And in verse 1, it tells us this took place in the eighth month of the second year of King Darius. Darius was the ruler of the Persians at the time. So the eighth month of the second year, we know right when this happened. Kids, what's, what's the eighth month of the year? Do you know? What's the eighth month of the year? You say August? You're wrong. Back then it was October or November. Sorry. The Jews had a different calendar system. And so we can look at this date and see now that this took place in October or November of the year 520 B.C. 520 B.C. We know the exact months. And even some of the visions later in the book tell us the exact day that the Lord gave the vision. I love the historical detail in these books. Finally, why? Why is Zechariah in our Bibles? Why is it written? Well, the rest of our sermon series will answer that question. But we know it took place in 520 BC, and the Jews are in a situation where they are returning and have returned to their homeland. After generations of failure, after their fathers had sinned greatly and they were taken into exile, they had, in a sense, tumbled down the mountain in a terrible landslide and were in complete devastation. Now the Lord has brought them back and they are back in their homeland and God is giving them another message of prophecy, another message for repentance and hope to his people. So now that we have some of that context taken care of, let's look at the rest of this morning's passage and see how the message for them 2,500 years ago is also a message for us today. Zechariah 1, verses 2 to 6. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. This is God's word for us this morning. And this morning, I hope that God will awaken our hearts, a wake-up call like an alarm clock waking us up in the morning and call us back to him. The earth is shaking beneath us, and if we are sleeping during the shaking, we will fall. So may the Lord wake us up with these words today. God is calling us, and we will see two callings in this passage, two callings from the Lord. The first calling is that the Lord is calling us to return to him, return to the Lord of hosts. 
This is the primary command of the text. If you look at verse 3, it's the first command of the book. Zechariah strongly emphasizes this verse, verse 3. He says, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Who said this? The Lord of hosts. <laughs> Zechariah is very clear here. He, he wants us to understand it's the Lord of hosts speaking here. That's why he says his name three times. Declares the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord of hosts. If you missed that, then you didn't read the text very well. It's very clear. The Lord of hosts is calling. And we better listen. The Lord of hosts. This is Yahweh. Over the hosts, Yahweh, over the armies. As we sang in the song, the God of angel armies. That's what this title means. The Lord Almighty. This points to his sovereignty, to his power. This is not some God who's like, oh, please come back. I'm so weak and needy. I need you back to me. Like some, some jilted lover or boyfriend or girlfriend. No, this is the Lord of hosts calling the one who's sovereign over all. And he is the one calling, saying, return to me. Wake up, people of Zechariah's day. The Lord of hosts is calling. Wake up, ECC in 2021. The Lord of hosts is calling. And he says, return to me. Return means to come back, to repent, the same word is used for repentance often in the Old Testament. It's calling us back to him, to our great and mighty God. And the passage tells us why we need to return to him. We go back to verse 2, the first words of the Lord in this passage, in this book. And it says, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. Uh-oh, that's not what you want to hear. The first words of the book from the Lord of hosts, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. It starts with the Lord's anger. And it does not say a little bit angry. It says very angry. And we know this as we read the stories of God's people in the Old Testament. God raised up the Babylonians to come and conquer the Jews. The Jews had been living in rebellion generation after generation. So these words are especially talking about the fathers who uh, were the last generation before the exile. Their sins had culminated into idol worship, but really it went back many generations before that. If you read the Old Testament, it's not a story of heroes. It's a story of zeros. It's not a story of saints it's a story of sinners. It's mostly people rebelling against God. Read First and Second Kings. It's king after king after king rebelling against God. There's a few faithful ones, like you know, got Hezekiah and Josiah, but most of them are pretty bad. There are many sinful generations leading up to the exile, the destruction of the temple in 586 BC. This was the anger of the Lord on display. And the people of Israel deserved it. 
God was very angry. Let me ask you a question about this. How do you feel about the anger of God? Many people are uncomfortable with this. The thought that God could be angry makes us feel uncomfortable. You know, we love love and grace and mercy. Probably none of you have Zechariah 1-2 on a coffee cup or posted on the wall of your office or home. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. No, that's not the verse we usually feel comfortable with and want to remember every day. But here it is. It's true. The Lord has anger. The Lord has wrath. What do we do with this? When you consider the generations of sin of the people of Israel, when you consider the holiness of God, His infinite perfection, then really it would be strange if He were not angry. His anger is righteous. It is right. And we must be careful to remember the anger of God is not like the anger we often see in humans. The anger of God is not like a drunken father who comes home and loses his temper and hurts his family. The anger of God is not like an angry mother whose words just spit out of her mouth carelessly and tear down her family. That's not what the anger of God is like. He's not just giving full vent and losing his temper out of control, raging against people. That's what we often see in each other. But that's not the anger of God. His anger is always right and righteous. And more than that, we see all over the Old Testament, I could show you many verses that say he is slow to anger. He's not quick to anger. He is slow to anger anger. He is abundantly patient. Even here in Zechariah, he reminds them he sent prophets to their fathers. He gave them opportunities, second chances, third chances, tenth chances, thirtieth chances to repent. He is slow to anger. But instead of worshiping God, they worshiped statues, they worshiped poles, They turned to the idols of Egypt and Assyria and all these other nations. So, of course, God was rightly angry. This is why in verse 4, God tells Zechariah's generation, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. He called the past generations back too. His mercy was there. He gave Israel so many chances. And now in 520 BC, they are back in the land and he's giving them another chance, another second chance for the people of God. He's very gracious. And what's so amazing here in this text is is in this story, I told you it's 520 BC, right? This is 520 BC. The people started returning to the land in 538, 18 years earlier. The Jews are starting to go back to their land. God did an amazing work. He softened the heart of the Persian king so that he actually sent them back and said to the Jews, you can go back. He even offered to help them 
So God saves them again. He brings them back in 538. And then in 536, 16 years earlier, they laid the foundation for the temple. They're doing good. They laid the foundation. They're rebuilding God's house. But now in 520, they're stuck. They're starting to slide back down the hill again. They haven't worked on the temple. They haven't finished it. So God's giving them another prophet, another calling, saying, return to me. You can still return. Again, they deserve judgment. And again, God gives a second chance to rescue them. I love what one commentator said about this text. As I was looking at it this past week, he said, however great our sin and backsliding, God is ready to receive those who come to him in repentance and faith. This is the gospel according to Zechariah, the good news of great joy that God will gladly receive those who turn to him in repentance and faith. Many of you sitting here today or tuning in online have slidden away. This past week, Maybe, maybe this past year, you've taken steps away from God. Maybe the past 10 years, I don't know. The Lord of hosts is calling you to return today. Now, repent of the sin that has dragged you away and come back to this patient and merciful God. His arms are open to repentance. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Do you know why God gives Israel so many second chances in the Old Testament? You know, he could have wiped them out. He could have destroyed them as easily as we crush a bug. And he would have been right to do that. But he made a covenant with them. He chose them. And one of the reasons he chose them was he had us in mind. He chose the Jews in order to send them a king, to send them a Messiah who would not only be the savior for the Jews, but he would be the savior of the world, the savior of us. And so God's faithfulness to the people in Zechariah's day is also showing his faithfulness to us because it's leading them in the great story to Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness to the Jews is faithfulness to us. The story of Israel is much like our story. And it leads to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Israel's second chances lead to our second chances. And so just as God is calling them to repent, he's also calling us to repent, to turn back to Jesus today. And many of us have been Christians a long time, and yet we still slip away. We wander off. So I want to ask you, take a minute and consider, what is it in your life that's dragging you away from Jesus? Think about times in the past that you've slipped away. What was the first step what was the first rock that tumbled down the mountain and led you away? What temptation? 
what little sin that you thought, that's probably not a big deal. And then a few months later, devastation. What is it in your life that's distracting you from your relationship with Jesus? The Lord of hosts is calling you to repent. Get rid of that thing. Repent of that sin. Put it behind you. Return to the Lord of hosts today. And he will return to you. That's his promise. Return to me and I will return to you, he says. His arms are open to his children. So we've seen this first calling to return to the Lord of hosts. Let's look at our second calling now. And really it's related to the first calling. We return to him and as we do that, we are called to pay attention. The second calling is to pay attention to his word. Pay attention to his word. The problem in this text with the fathers is they didn't pay attention. Look at the second part of verse 4. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. God was speaking and calling them back, but their ears were closed. They weren't paying attention. From the law of Moses up to the final prophets, they weren't paying attention. And brothers and sisters, when you don't pay attention to God's word, the consequences are serious. We look at verse 6. God says, But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? Yes, they did. God's words and his statutes are true, they're faithful. They always come true. God does not lie. It will overtake us. God's word overtook the fathers, and it will overtake us. His warnings are serious. Earlier in the Old Testament, when God made the covenant with the Jews, he uses some of the same language. You can look at this chapter later, but it's Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, it's a long chapter, but in that chapter, God gives the blessings and the curses of the covenant relationship, that Israel will have blessings or curses, it's conditions that God has given. And in that chapter, God says to them, all the blessings will overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. Same word, overtake the blessings will overtake you. And it also says, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, all these curses will overtake you. He warned them. He told them his word will come true. His statutes and words, which he commanded the servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? Yes, they did. Because God's promises are true. His word will catch up with us. And this last week, I watched a video on YouTube of, of a lion chasing a warthog. A warthog, kind of a big uh, pig-like animal. 
And it was interesting to watch this video, and I thought of this passage because the lion waits and plans. The lion is hungry, and you see the warthog sitting in the grass. He has no idea what's going on, he or she, (laughs) thinks they're safe, thinks that it's another average warthog day, and then all of a sudden, the chase is on. And the lion starts to chase the warthog. And the warthog starts to run. And the chase lasted a few seconds. Because warthogs aren't that fast. And lions are pretty fast. And the lion overtook the warthog easily. And devoured the warthog. And had a dinner. And this reminded me of the word of the Lord overtaking us. Like the warthog, we might think we're safe. We might think we can outrun God's word. We might think maybe God doesn't see us. Maybe he doesn't know that sin in my life, but he does. God's word is true and faithful. His promises are true. His word will overtake us. This is the Lord of hosts, remember. The God of angel armies, not some weak God. So the question is, when his word overtakes us, What will happen? Well, the lion can catch us and could embrace us in a warm, fatherly hug. And the blessings of God can overtake us. Or it can devour us. The judgments of God could overtake us. The curses of God could overtake us. That's what happened to the fathers in Israel. They got what they deserved. His word overtook them. As we continue in Zechariah the next few weeks, we're going to see so many promises about the king coming. And what's so amazing about this king that comes, this Messiah that comes, is that he came to the world on a mission to take the curses for us. When Jesus Christ came, He lived a perfect life and he went to a cross. The curses overtook him. He let the curses of Deuteronomy 28 overtake him. The judgment of God, the anger of God was poured out on him for our sins so that we might have the blessings overtake us. Jesus did that for us. It was all part of God's plan for millennia of time. It's his plan from the beginning that Jesus would come and pay the price for sinners, that he would come and pay the price for people who deserve the curses, for people who deserve the punishment, like you and like me. That's what he came to do. That's what Zechariah is pointing us toward. And so, my friend, if if you're here and you're not a Christian and you don't know Jesus, the word of God is coming. His words are true and faithful. He has spoken. He has warned you. Judgment day is coming. And I hope and pray you will pass on judgment day. And the way to pass is through Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Jesus. You repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus and he washes all your sins away. 
and you will have eternal blessings. Turn to Jesus today. And to my brothers and sisters, this calling to pay attention to his word is essential for our Christian lives. We have God's word. Many of you have 10 Bibles on your shelves at home. We have Bible apps. We have translations in so many languages. Praise God. We have his word. Are you paying attention? Are you listening to God's word? Are you spending time reading it and studying it like, you know, like, like you desire food? Do you desire his word? Are you coming to church and hearing sermons and, and, and letting God's word speak to you with open ears to pay attention? The spirit of God has spoken to us through this living and active word that he has breathed out for us. Are you paying attention? Zechariah says, but they did not hear or pay attention to me. May that not be true of you. They did not hear or pay attention to me. May that not be true of us here at ECC. May today be the day that we hear the Lord of hosts and return to him. No matter how far you've strayed, return to him and let's pay attention to his word. And he promises he will return to us. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you in repentance and faith. So many times we have fallen down the hill or taken steps backwards and it's led to hurt for ourselves and for others. When the ground shakes beneath us, when our lives go crazy, we are so prone to turn our backs to you rather than turn our eyes to you. So, Lord, we confess our sins to you, the ways we have backslidden. We thank you for this word this morning that calls us back to you. Thank you that you are the Lord of hosts, the all-powerful God. As you call us, Lord, give us ears to listen. Point us to Jesus again and the amazing mercy that he showed us on the cross, the amazing power he showed us in the resurrection that we might have all the blessings of your word and none of the curses through Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing promises that your word is true and unfailing. Help us to pay attention. We turn back to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.